We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Coming at you on a Wednesday, uh, the day after the Knicks have played a game in Miami uh, that uh, you are not going to hear about on this podcast because um, I recorded it uh, with our guest today on Monday night. Um, So if you'd like to hear... Uh, reaction to uh, the game and whatever transpired in American Airlines Arena. Um, kindly go to the Knicks Film School YouTube channel and please check that out because um, the Knicks Film School YouTube channel is full of lots of fun stuff, and uh, you should go. You should go check out what we got going on there. Um, this episode, though, is going to be my conversation with Salman Ali. So Salman um, covers the Rockets. He uh, is on ESPN Radio down in Houston. He has his own podcast. Um, he's really good. The conversation was really good. We get into some a few different things of, of interest to Nick fans, uh, most prominently Victor Oladipo, how he's looked and, and what um, Salmon thinks the Rockets might be looking for for him and uh, we have a bunch of other talk and obviously the reason we're talking about the Rockets is because the Knicks play Houston this weekend so um, definitely topical um, also as it pertains to some trade stuff and it's just you know we've been doing these uh, midweek pods featuring people that cover other teams and I just I like getting the perspective of, of outsiders on what's going on here in New York I think you'll appreciate his thoughts on Emmanuel quickly I think you'll appreciate his thoughts on the Knicks in general um, where they are as a franchise versus where Houston is at as a franchise. So all that's coming up right now. Uh, but first, uh, as I s- said, we're recording this before the Miami game. Uh, we got a little bit of news coming over the waiver wire. Uh, actually, no, it's not the waiver wire <laughs> coming over the news wire. Um, and that news is Frank Nilakina. Frank Nilakina can't seem to get on the basketball court. But um, seems to be doing something, doing something outside because he is out tonight thanks to health and safety protocols. Now, um, unless you've been living under a rock, um, you know that anytime an NBA player is out because of health and safety protocols, as I pull up the actual uh, tweet here, um, who uh, the Knicks announced this, by the way, and then a few different beat writers tweeted it out. Um, you know that health and safety protocols means uh, that 
there is a potential COVID exposure um, or, you know, exposure to to someone who might've been exposed to COVID or exposure to somebody who might've been exposed to somebody who might've been exposed to COVID. I I don't know how many different degrees of separation there are involving this stuff, but um, we did get some clarification from uh, Steve Popper. And that was confirmed by Ian Begley, which says, according to a source, Nilakina did not test positive for COVID. He is subject to contact tracing, which means he was in close proximity of someone with a positive test outside of the Knicks organization. Now, um, this, of course, raises some questions because as we you may or may not have seen a few weeks ago, um, as the game postponements and cancellations were increasing, we saw the the league hand down some uh, sturdier and more stringent rules in regards to what you are allowed to do and more importantly, what you are not allowed to do when you are at home um, preparing for a game in your home city or arena um, and what you're allowed to do just as importantly and perhaps more importantly on the road. So obviously the Knicks are on the road. They're in Miami. Um, Nothing like when an alarm goes off in the middle of recording a, a live thing. Um, and when your light falls off your falls off your your laptop, We're batting a thousand here. Um, so I don't know what Frank Nilakina did, um, but it sounds like he did something he wasn't supposed to do or got, you know, got got it on with someone who wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. I I don't know. We haven't been given any specifics. Um, and I think it would be wrong of me to engage in, in baseless speculation um, about why Frank, you know, is in contact tracing. Although it is interesting that in many of these cases that we've seen come across, you know, the, the news desk, that's what I was looking for before. Um, it's been, a, it's been like several players um, that have been like not available. So we'll see if there's any new, like if you're a Nick fan, like your first concern is like, is this going to like shut down our season for a period of time? Because as we saw with, um, as we saw with Memphis, um, you know, they were the first one and there hasn't been one since the league is just starting to shut down whole teams for periods of time, as opposed to making them play with a decimated squad. So we don't want that. Um, for as much as everybody may complain about Alfred Payton's playing time, I don't think anyone wants the Knicks to shut down the season. So hopefully it doesn't lead to that. If it is indeed just Frank, then of course that raises the other questions about like, all right, well, what was he doing? Why wasn't he just kind of sticking with the team? Who was he with? Um, why was he, you know, it's like, it's just, it's not a great, well, I don't know. I was going to say it's not a great look, but again, that would be baseless speculation. And, and here at the Knicks Film School YouTube channel um, and Knicks Film School Podcast Network and Knicks Film School Newsletter, we don't engage in baseless speculation, obviously. Uh, so I'm not going to say anything more than that. I, I hope it's not him. Um, I hope he's all right, obviously, that first and foremost. Um, although it sounds like, I guess, again, he, he did not test positive. So I'm sure he's fine. Um, so uh, that is it. Um, let's hope the Knicks get a win. And you're listening to this. If you're listening to this on the, the podcast version of this, you're, you're listening to it after a win. And uh, enjoy my interview with Salman Ali. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, he covers the Houston Rockets, who will be facing the New York Knicks uh, in short order uh, later uh, in a few days. Um, covers them for ESPN 975, uh, also is the host of Red Nation Hoops podcast, and he writes for Clutch Points, um, which I was just saying to him has absolutely blown up over the last few years. So um, if you have not seen him or read him or heard him, um, I don't know what you're doing. You're, you're probably not following the NBA, but you should definitely change that. Uh, Salman Ali, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for that really kind introduction. I thank you for coming on here to talk um, uh, about the Rockets, I guess, maybe in a, a slightly different context than you usually talk about them. Although I guess maybe that's as good a place to start as any. What has it been like this year covering this team that I, I guess they've been in the forefront of the NBA, um, you know, mind, the, the, the common, you know, NBA mindset of like the casual fan as much as any other team. Right. 
Yeah, and it's been that way for the last seven years, which is why this is going to be a, a tough adjustment period for Rockets fans that just became Rockets fans within <laughs> that time frame, right? Because they yeah. don't know a time where this team wasn't relevant, and now they're going to be non-relevant for a couple of years until they get their stuff back in order. Um, it's been weird covering the team; it definitely has. I've you know I'm used to covering a contender. Now I'm going to be contending, you know, covering a team that's in a new stage of their life cycle, which means. I have to talk about them differently. Now, now the the games are kind of secondary. Now the the big dates on the calendar are the trade deadline, you know, the off season, the draft, stuff like that. Like when you're a rebuilding team, that's what you that's what you focus on. And the games are obviously important, right? Like you, you want to win is you want to establish a good culture, uh, see what kind of talent you have, but more importantly, you're trying to get that cornerstone piece. And the only way to get that is through those op- is through those avenues. So that's the way I choose to cover them now. It's like I have to kind of shift gears and try to focus on those areas. So my next podcast is going to be talking about the trade deadline, for example. And I'm going to be spending a good, a good deal of time on that over the next couple of weeks. Well, that's a, a good transition because I think, you know, it, it, so here in New York, we we're kind of we've been in your shoes um, <laughs> for um, I always say, like, you know, it's easiest to just be like yeah, most of the last 20 years. That's not quite true. There have been a couple little you know segments of time, most notably um, during the early mellow years. But, um, you know, for the better part of the last, uh, I would say, you know, seven years. It's been okay. Um, what are we doing with the trade deadline? Uh, how's our how, how are the lottery balls looking? Um, you know who are the who are the good prospects? Um, you know this year, and now the Knicks are kind of in this you know in between world where I think there are still a lot of fans who are approaching this as as you are now approaching covering the Rockets, where it's like no, we're still a ways away, but there's also this other you know kind of mindset out there like okay they're starting to put some stuff together maybe you know we should look into um you know how how to how to kick this thing into high gear sooner rather than later um before i get to some possible trade stuff though i'm just curious again i'm always i always am fascinated by what people who don't follow the knicks on a day-to-day basis think about what the Knicks are doing specifically this year. And even maybe a little bit more generally, um, you know, since Leon Rose has come in. So just, you know, kind of as an outsider, what are your impressions of, of this team and like what they've been up to? Well, I'm definitely evaluating everything Leon Rose is doing uh, very closely just because anyone who comes from a different sphere of, you know, into, into that front office role, usually, you know, it's, it's scout, former head coach, you know, former player, those are the, you know, analytics. Those are the usual backgrounds uh, that you, you, you become a front office executive with. And coming from the agent side, it's different. It's new. I'm not used to, you know, I mean, there, there, there are examples out there. Bob Myers, obviously the most famous example, but, but uh, it definitely is new. It's, it's a new age uh, of general manager and I want to see how he operates and I, I liked the Tibbs hire, to be honest. I've always been higher on Tibbs than I think the general public. Um, you know, he has his warts as a coach and everybody knows that we don't have to get into it here. But the the the, the bottom line is he is a good coach. Like when when you when you put all that other side, all the all that other stuff aside, same thing with Mike D'Antoni. People always get into his warts, but when we all know what those warts are, but when you put all yeah. that other stuff aside, he is a really good coach. And the, when you're trying to make a coach hire, what are you looking for? Right? Like that's, that's what you're trying to accomplish. So generally uh, good is better than bad. Uh, just, right. A rule of life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, 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 th- I thought they made the, I thought they made a good hire. And yeah. um, what I'm worried about now, uh, obviously is Tom Thibodeau has this tendency uh, when he has a high, when he has a high degree of say with the front office to go after his old guys. Right. And you know, the Derek Rose trade is kind of a good example of that. Right. Like, like, I I'm worried that he's going to go too for too far down that rabbit hole. And I hope he doesn't. I hope he lets Leon Rose handle that. And, you know, perhaps Leon Rose wants Tibbs input. I'm sure that's proud. They're probably collaborating a fair bit, but it should not be to the point where he had the same kind of say he had in Minnesota. He, at that point, I think everybody can fairly assess yeah. that he had too much say there. Yeah. It goes without saying. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's funny uh, after we, you know, we just had a game against the the heat. We're going to, um, it'll play another game against the heat um, after we're recording this, we're recording this on Monday night, but um, 
you know, uh, it'll be before we run this pie. In any case, Jimmy Butler said after the first game, um, when asked about, you know, the, the rumored Derek Rose acquisition, just deadpan Tibbs is getting the band back together <laughs> because we just, you know, Taj Gibson uh, made his return a few weeks ago. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I think a lot of fans here in New York share your concern. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how much you know about, we have a rookie here, Emmanuel Quickly, who has opened some eyes. Oh, well, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is is a little good. I want to stick with this for a second because again, we're we're in our bubble, right? Um, has has that made waves around the league? What Quickly has been doing here? Oh, for sure. I mean, when you talk about the Rookie of the Year uh, candidates, right? He's in there. He's got to be in there. If he's not in there, you're you're not doing it right. Uh, and uh, he's he's definitely impressed, and he's and he's a bright spot in what's been a pretty impressive season for the Knicks. Nobody thought they'd be this good. Even even if you think the Eastern Conference is just a complete you know pile of trash, like they're they're just tearing through that pile of trash, right? In a way that none of That's, us expected. Like <laughs> in, in a way that none of us expected them to. Yeah. And they're competing and they're playing hard. And like Emmanuel Pete quickly has been a bright spot in that. And yeah, he might be playing what is it like 15 minutes a game? How how, how many minutes is he playing? Uh you're muted. Yeah, that's one of the issues lately is he was um he was up or you know had a couple games where he was around 30 minutes and then the last couple games um only 12 13 minutes a night. So he, he it's been fluctuating a little bit. Right. Yeah. So he yeah, he might not he might not be playing that much but like that's fine. Like it, like this rookie class is not like you're you're not finding those star type rookies in this class and I think you know quickly is kind of an example of a rookie that can just be a good player. It's a good contributing player. Uh, which they need uh, more of, uh, right. a, as it were. Um, in Houston, you I, I have to touch on the Harden thing before I, I get to the, the main crux of our conversation. Uh, he's, he's gone. Um, you, are you happy about that? That you're not, I mean, I don't know if I should say that you don't have to cover him anymore, that you don't get to cover him anymore. I mean, what's the right way to phrase that question? Well, it, it definitely changes the gears and in, in the way I cover the team, obviously, I guess I mentioned at the top of the podcast, but uh, as far as like, you know, am I happy or not? Like I, I, it's, I don't really, you know, I'm not a fan of the team anymore. I was about three years ago. It, it kind of turned that, turned that part of my brain off. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, as far as what the fans here feel, I think they were exhausted by the by the the point the trade happened. It's just because he he had really drugged this out. Like he made this really really ugly. Like I'm not, I'm not sure if uh, you remember the Vince Carter situation in Toronto, but oh, it I, really, I remember it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt really similar, right? And uh, this might actually, this might have actually been worse because he had the press conference right before the trade happened, where he just said, "This isn't going to work. This can't be fixed." Like I don't think Vince Carter got to the point where he came on a microphone and said, "This this isn't going to work. This can't be fixed." It never got that bad, but it it's it it definitely stained his legacy a little bit. But I think his oh, legacy will will live on. Like I think, and it's it's something I've been monitoring. Like there's just like you see a lot of James Harden quipping on Rockets Twitter, right? Like there's just a lot of quipping at right. at, at Harden, and like you know you'll see you know Harden defensive jokes, and it's like that stuff didn't exist here, right? This is <laughs> when you when you talk about like people who defended James Harden. If you did like a an area map of the United States, there'd be a big red dot on the city <laughs> of Houston, right? Like it 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 wouldn't exist much farther than that, right? Yeah. Because um, for some reason, he, Harden's just not that popular of a player. But I, I but, always like appreciated what he, I just because I'm a stats guy. So mm-hmm. if you give me numbers, I, I like the numbers are the numbers, and the numbers that dude put up were just nobody else put them up in the history. Right. Of the league, so. You know. Yeah, I mean, I consider him one of the twenty-five greatest players of all time. I, I, I still sure. I do. do. Like he's he's amazing, and uh, I I don't know how you can you know I don't know how you can say otherwise. But 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 when it when it came to defending Harden, this was the fan base that went ride or die with him. Yeah. And it really does seem like they've turned on him a little bit, and they've soured on him because of the way it ended. But I think give it time. They'll come, the Rockets fans will come around. I, I I just think they're a little sour right now. I just think they want to enjoy their new team. I think they want to enjoy uh, a, a team without expectations, right? Like, like th- that was always the thing with this Rockets team for the past few years. They had these heavy expectations. The playoffs couldn't be fun anymore. It was extremely stressful for these fans. And like, it was like if, if they couldn't get to a, con- a conference finals, it was a bust season. 
basically, because they were at that at point in their career. Like they, they've, they've already seen a Western Conference, two of them already, right? And they had, they wanted to see an NBA Finals appearance, and they just never got that. And you know, every every t- time they didn't get to the Conference Finals, they'd just be mocked for it. Every time they got to the Conference Finals, fell short. Same thing, they'd get mocked for it. And it was just, it got to the point where it's like, I think, I think they like that this team has no expectations on them. Like they, they can just go play basketball, be as good as they possibly can be. Uh, they, they, they have a pretty important pick swap that they, they want to protect. I think uh, with Miami and, um, and uh, Oklahoma city, I, I was right. about to ask is, is there, cause if I recall correctly, they it's top four protected. Otherwise you guys get the, the, the worst of those, I believe the worst of those three picks, Right. Um, so I, I was, I was going to ask, is there, there, there can't be any incentive to tank this season, right? Because like, why, why would you? No, no, there's, there's no incentive to tank. I mean, they, they, they have to try and be better than Miami or, or be as close to, uh, to Miami in record <laughs> as they possibly can. Right now, sure. Miami struggled to come out of the gate as of late, which helps their cause a little bit, but they're going to quickly get things going. They just got Jimmy Butler back. They're going to, they're going to be better than what they've been. Uh, at least that's what I ex- ex- expect, but um, that, I expect the same. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, that should be their only goal. I, I think, I think when you're talking about um, what the fan base should be rooting for, you should be rooting for as many wins as possible because you have every in- incentive to win <laughs> this season. Uh, um, is so John wall is there. Um, was once upon a time, a pretty damn good player. Um, has looked pretty good this year from what I've seen. Obviously, you've watched a lot more of him than me. Um, Victor Oladipo, we're going to get to in a second. Um, Christian Wood is on the, I don't know, should we say he's on the fringes of the All-Star conversation? Should we say he's like just inside the All-Star conversation? Where where do you, I don't know where you have him. I think he's he's been pretty awesome this year. Um, he's been pretty good, but I think this latest injury kind of definitely put, puts him back in the fringes. Yeah, right? no, that, that's fair. He's, I'm not sure he's played quite enough games to really be in there. Um, regardless, there's a fun team somewhere lurking in there. I mean, PJ Tucker is still there. We don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, and you know, obviously the, the bevy of, it seems like the, the, um, eternal spring of three point shooters that you guys have, you just shuttle them in and out, um, of guys who could just knock down shots. Um, what did you have 11 in the first quarter against what was it? New Orleans uh, last week, something, some insane number. Um, it's just, I, I don't know how you guys do it. In any case, where, what's the plan here now for Houston? Because I know a lot of Nick fans are looking specifically at Oladipo, but maybe another player or two as like, okay, let's try to pillage, you know, these guys. Um, you said the fans are enjoying this year, not worrying about tanking or anything like that. What What's the goal? What's the short-term goal for Houston right now? For the front office? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that they definitely view it the same way. They, they want to be good this season, but they're not going, they're not going to, you know, not listen to trade offers at the deadline. I, I actually do think they're going to be pretty active at the deadline. Uh, they say they're going to try and use the trade exception they got from the Harden trade. I doubt that that will materialize into anything because that would more than likely require them paying the luxury tax. And I don't think they want to pay the luxury tax for a team that's probably, I mean, it's not going to contend this year. So um, I think what, you, what you're more than likely looking at is a PJ Tucker trade. I feel like that's, the the surest thing to a trade you're going to get from Houston, the Rockets are go, are probably going to trade PJ Tucker, uh, and I think there's going to be a market for him. I don't know what he's going to net because he is in the final year of his contract and he is 35 years old. I suspect he, um, he the Houston's looking for a first round pick, but at at the at the very least, you they can probably get back two seconds for him, and I think. When you look at other kinds of players, I mean, obviously Victor Oladipo has been a hot subject. And I, I suspect that's well, you know part of the reason you brought to bring me on. Uh, Victor Oladipo uh, is going to have some demand at the deadline, and, but here's here's my theory. I think Houston traded for him with the idea of keeping him this summer, either for the cap space or for a good contract, uh, just for a good piece that they can hold on to. And here, here's my thinking: if they were just going to trade for someone that they could later trade, why wouldn't they just get Karis LeVert right now? Obviously the, the health complications uh, 
may have played a role in it, but we we have no idea, right? Do like, they know is has there been any reporting? Because we know that came out from when Indiana did their medical. Do we know whether Houston knew about any of that? Well, what I'll say is Houston is a very smart front office, and, and the, they they find stuff out about about players uh, that the general public just doesn't know. Like they they knew that John Wall was healthy for a while. And okay. looked, it was looking good from these runs, and so it's it's possible. But I mean, this we're talking about a, 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 a you know we're talking about cancer. I I don't, I don't think they knew that. Like I think like that. The, I mean, Karis Levert didn't even know that this was like a life saving trade for him. Which is yeah. thank God, thank God this happened. Um, because I mean, I'm sure he's he's grateful that they found. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. On that this early. And I think, I think when it, in regards to whether or not Houston, no, probably not, but I think they, they, they threw in that second round pick because they wanted the expiring contract just to have some flexibility, whether or not they wanted the cap space this summer or whether or not they wanted to keep Victor Odipo. They just want to see what happens. Right, I think they value the asset of Victor Odiba more than the, the asset of Karis Levert. And for the purposes of this offseason, I think they they want to have the you know the the pliability of his contract. So that's really interesting to me. And and here, here I totally get that stance, um, and it makes sense because I think to a certain extent the Knicks front office, almost since Leon Rose took over, has been doing kind of the same thing. Let's kick keep kicking the can down the road, right? Until we we know what we need to do, until we're forced against something. Um, they didn't really have any substantive extension talks this summer with Mitchell Robinson, um, because they didn't need to, right? Um, they didn't they didn't sign any players to more than a, a one year deal with the exception of of former Houston Rocket, Austin Rivers, and that that's a you know only a first year guarantee. So I I understand that thinking. The thing I guess that I'm I'm curious about with Oladipo specifically is it he strikes me as a guy who wants a big payday. And the only reason I say that is is a combination of the the reporting um in regards to the contract extension he turned down from Indiana. Um I guess it was this offseason, something around, you know, twenty twenty million dollars a year. Um, which is seems low. Um, but I, I just, you know, I wonder if he isn't someone that already has one foot out the door or I'm not even sure what's worse. If he's someone that, that is going to be like, okay, I'll stay, but I want, you know, the fifth year, or I want, you know, a, a number, an annual number that starts with a three. Is there any sense yet of where Oladipo's camp is with, with that sort of stuff? So what's interesting is he has a ton of leverage this summer because all these guys signed extensions, like everybody, every top tier free agent re-extended this summer. I I suspect that has a lot to do with COVID and the current economics of the league. Uh, They just want to lock in that money right now while they can get it. And Victor Odipo was not one of these people. So he is going to be the top dollar free agent and he's going to be demanding a lot. Now, um, what what he wants and what the Rockets are willing to give are two totally different things. I don't think the Rockets are going to give him a full max straight up. Like if they do, it would very, it would very much surprise me. And if 
that's a spi- that's a spicy meatball <laughs> full yeah. max for Victoria Depot. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's 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 just a lot of money. And yeah. again, the Rockets are in a position right now where they can no longer overpay guys. When they had James Harden, they could overpay to keep guys, right? Because they're in contendership mode. You you have to do everything you can to surround the best team around James Harden to maximize his prime, yada yada yada. But now they're not. They're no longer under pressure to sign bad contracts. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They're under they're under pressure to sign good contracts that they can trade uh, for possible cornerstone pieces, right? And I think if they sign Victor Odibo to a, a, a number that is less than you know sal- salvageable, I, I just I don't think they'll. I, I don't think they'll be able to trade it. And I, I think that's what they're uh, that's what they're going to be looking at with every kind of free agent deal they make this summer. Can we trade this later on down the line? I don't think they want to be you know they I don't think they want to be tampered down by any contract. The only one that's going to tamper them down is the, is John Wall. But I was, was going to get there. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But but they can't they can't really do anything about that, right? And I think they view that as an upgrade from the Russell Westbrook contract, right? Which I think at this point it looks pretty clearly like it's it's probably going to be an upgrade from the Russell Westbrook contract. I hope I hope that someone within your front office got arrested for I don't know if it's burglary or larceny or what what the charge would be. It's, a, it's been a few years since I was in law school. Um, but to get a first round pick in that trade, and I know it's a heavily protected first round pick, but like, do, do they just feel like they, you know, like stole something right from under under Washington's um, noses here? Because that seems ridiculous. Well, at the time, I think a lot of us expected that Westbrook was going to be the better player this season, but no one really thought that John Wall was going to look this good. Did, did you expect that John Wall was going to look this good? I, I mean, I'd heard what everybody heard, which is that, you know, the initial, not what you're saying, which is that Houston like knew for a fact that he looked good. Like there were some reports that like, oh, Wall's looking good. Beal knows he looks good. He's excited. Like that was obviously all nonsense, but like that's, you know, to me, I think John Wall has gotten a bad rap over the last few years because I, I just, like you and like a lot of people, I remember when that dude was going good and he's, he, when he's going good, he's, he's good. Um, but we didn't know what he was going to look like. So that's, that's a very fair point. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably what you said right there is, is the main, the main reason that I thought Westbrook was likely going to be the better player. Like I would have put money down that Westbrook was going to be the better player this season because he's coming off of an Achilles injury. Yeah. Right. And, and granted that, that it happened two years ago and he's had a lot of time to recover, but it's still like, this was a career ender like 10 years ago in basketball. Now, like it's incredible the amount of progress we've made on that. Right. Like Kevin Durant's back and now John Wall's back. And they both look great. And granted, they're much younger than what, what you know what Kobe was when he tore his Achilles. But still, like it's it's remarkable how much progress we have made on this specific injury on a medical front. But I, I definitely didn't expect that he'd look this good coming off of it. Now the Rockets are doing a pretty good job at resting and recovering him on back to backs and stuff like that. And you know they're probably going to continue doing that throughout the course of the season. But still, I mean, he looks every bit as fast, every bit as explosive, every bit as good defensively, which, I mean, if you remember what he looked like defensively two years prior to the Achilles, yeah. I, I mean, his, his effort just waxed and waned. Like, it yeah. really did. He looked really stiff. And he talked about how, in addition to, you know, getting his, his Achilles right, he got the bone spurs removed from his foot. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Okay. Yeah, and, and I and a lot of people didn't know that until until he revealed that he he had been playing with bone spurs in his foot for two years, huh. which is I mean I I can't imagine how painful that is, but it, it's certainly difficult to defend with that stuff going on in your foot, and you know he looks really good defensively uh, because of all the surgeries he's had this you know these past couple of years, and I think. Um, that's partly to the, I mean, that's partly the reason Houston decided, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to, this is the best deal out here for Westbrook. Westbrook is the one who demanded the trade. Houston didn't, you know, go into the offseason thinking we have to deal Westbrook. They, they were handed this, this, yeah. this hand and they decided, okay, this is, this is probably the best offer we're going to get. I mean, no other team is going to give them the first round pick straight up unprotected or not yeah. I mean, protect protected or not. They just weren't going to get that. And they, they found a team that was willing to give them it. And, you know, they were willing to take a, a gamble on him. I always viewed that trade as, okay, um, Houston's doing this for the sweetener. <laughs> You're right. Like I think that's how I viewed it. I, I, that's how I viewed it too. 
Right. Like I, I didn't think it was a John Wall for Westbrook swap. I, I thought it was a Westbrook for this first round pick and we'll just yeah. take a flyer on John Wall. And uh, I think Houston might have viewed it differently. I think they, they, they did it for John Wall and that pick. And, and boy, is it going to be interesting because that pick at some point, be, like I, I think it's 2026 20, or some some crazy year, it, it eventually becomes unprotected, I think. Um, but the protections are are hefty. It'll be because now you look at Washington and, you know, who knows what they're going to do with Bradley Beal. But like, would it shock you if they were in a situation where they were, you know, like remember the Lakers a few years back where they were just gunning for a bottom, you know, a bottom record every year to try to keep that pick, which seemed like it was perpetually top five protected. Um, I almost wonder like, cause again, Wall's good. If that contract number wasn't so high, I, I have to think that there would be demand because it's two years after this one, but it's obviously two years at nine. What is it? Ninety six million total, or no, not ninety six. Sorry, it's um forty. No, it's about around ninety million total for those two years. You don't think there could be any market for him at some point before this contract ends, do you? I don't think he finishes his contract in Houston. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Like I I don't know when a deal will come. But I think a deal think will a come. Deal will come. Okay. Right. And I think as more years come off the contract, more teams are willing to eat the back end of that contract if he still looks good. Right. And I think, you know, this year is definitely helpful towards that cause. But it really depends on what the point guard market is going to be and what teams actually need a point guard of his caliber to fill in a gap. Right now, I don't see a team. Maybe the Well, I know one uh, that I happen to write about and, and podcast about nearly every day. <laughs> I mean, but it, again, it, it's if, if, if we were talking about the Knicks in this situation that they are in literally right now, and it was a year from now when Wall's contract had um, a year and a half left on it as opposed to two and a half years left on it. Now, obviously, the money makes it tough because Julius Randle has gone from expendable piece to like, you know, all-star consideration. Um, so I don't, I don't know that they'd be able to figure out the money, but um, I think they'd be in on him. Absolutely. If it was, again, if it was a year less on the, on the contract. Would you be on in on him as a Nick at age 32 or whatever you he'll be at that point? I would not because I think there are the opportunity. I think I, I'm, as I've just said, I think walls are really good and I think he would absolutely help them um, right now, but I think the opportunity cost for the, for the cap space that they have both now and potentially in the summer, even with the, the lack of free agents. And I guess that'll get us back to Oladipo. I think there's some other stuff that they could hopefully if their front office continues to be smart and creative um, can do with that money. That, I, to- that- I totally agree. I think that's yeah. the healthier way to look at it. I think it's the, you know, the, the better team building way to look at it. And I think yeah, for sure. And, um, that's why I think when you, when you when you look at teams that might be interested in Wall, you got to look at these contender teams that are just a piece away, or and that piece happens to be point guard, and that that's the problem, right? Like I, I don't see a lot of these contender teams that look a piece away. Um, you know, maybe you know a couple years down the line where eventually LeBron takes a step back. I don't know, <laughs> and and the Lakers decide to yeah. throw, throw in a, an offer. I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it at this point. But that's why the Rockets can afford to hold him, right? They, yeah. it, it doesn't hurt to hold him for a couple of years. Um, I don't think you know they have it. They have a lot of incentive to take the next two years because that's the only two yep. years they own their own pick. But I don't think they're going to find a John Wall trade this summer. I mean, it's, the market's just not developing right now, right? It's just hard to see. The, the Chris Paul market was very fruitful uh, because there were a lot of teams at that point that needed a, a point guard. At, yeah. uh, this summer, a lot of teams, you know, resolved their point guard need. Uh, the Suns obviously eventually traded for Chris Paul. The Bucks uh, went, went ahead and traded for Drew Holiday. Like uh, a lot of also teams, one just, year less on on Chris Paul's contract than uh, than both Wall and Westbrook. So that I think came correct. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and you know, Paul is a better player. Yeah. It's just another part of this. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, I think, I think right now I, I don't see a market. So, you know, maybe a year down the line, but I, 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 it's very difficult for me to see a situation in which John Wall finishes out his contract unless they get back to contendership faster than I expect. Wouldn't that be so? I mean, you guys are second in defense in the league this year. So I don't know, maybe it's, it's not that crazy to, to think, I, but it sounds like they're more looking to pivot in the other direction than, than like, Hey, let's do a quick turnaround here. Right. Yeah. I, I, you would hope so. Hope so. Because I, I think, 
So they have some interesting pieces, right? Christian Wood's obviously the most tantalizing piece right now on the team. Uh, he's 25 years old, looks like a stud. Uh, I mean, he's he signed for $12 million a year, just in a bargain. Best bar- contract invest. of the summer, I think. It has yeah. To yeah, I mean, it was right, out, right up there with Jer- Jeremy Grant, for sure. Um, I'd rather and- have Wood at his money than Grant at his money. All the respect to Jeremy Grant, have a very nice year. I- I'd rather have Wood myself. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's a close call. I I think um I think Christian Wood. I I just I did not expect him to have the face up game that he has. Like he, so everybody knows he's a good shooter, right? And like yeah. the the whole, the whole rap on him was like he can finish at the rim off pick and roll, and he can shoot the three ball. So so you can have him play next to, at the, at the time you can have him play next to James Harden off pick and roll, mm-hmm. and you can have him space the floor next to Westbrook, Westbrook and Harden or Wall and Harden. Um, and what what ended up happening was that obviously the Rockets they rock the Rockets traded Harden and he's he's having to do more creation than I think anyone expected he would do in Houston and he can actually do it like that's what surprised me. he can score off the dribble he can get to the basket he has a feathery touch he can do floaters he can do finger rolls he can dunk um, he, he can do hook shots he has a, a a few different ways he can finish around the rim and he's pretty accurate at it. he has like sixty five percent true shooting right now really efficient scoring. And his three-point shooting has kind of become secondary, which I think is actually healthy for his game. He should not become like a stay out there and shoot threes kind of t- kind of guy. Like yeah. he he should definitely you know take advantage of the fact that he's such a great finisher. Um, you know he got these uh, these Porzingis comparisons when he first got traded to Houston, <laughs> and I'm looking at it right now, and I'm just like. It, is 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 he a poor man's Kristaps Porzingis? No, or is, other, or is Porzingis a poor man's Christian Wood? <laughs> well, right, like well, Porzingis is making twice as much money as him, and right. and I don't think I mean this injury aside, which I I don't think this injury is is believed to be that serious, right? The, this Wood injury. Uh, no, it, well, it, it looked serious at the time, but it looks like a straight roll. It did look serious at the time, but yeah, no, yeah. it looks it looks better now. But no, I I think it's the other way around. Um, talk about a guy who. Again, not that Houston should be or is thinking this way, but like you know, sneaky trade candidate. If if the if the Rockets are not going to be good until Christian Wood is on his next contract, because it's only three years, talk about a guy that you could get something nice for um, on this contract that he's on. But you know, I guess we're we're not quite there yet. Um, well, well, here's the thing: like, if I'd like to see what his ceiling is first, right? Like, that's like. Fair. Okay. Like, like, let's let's see what what he is. Uh, I I don't I don't quite know where like on a championship team where he would preside. Whether he's like third best player or fourth best player, I have no idea. Or maybe even better than that, I I doubt, doubt that he's probably second or, or first. But we're asking these questions about Julius Randle right now. Literally, like, is he a, is he a second piece? Is he a third piece? Can he be a, le- a, a a lower piece because he needs the ball so much? It's like these are the questions. As you're a middling team, you kind of have to contend with, right? Yeah, you have to think about it, right? Yeah. And uh, and if he if he is better than you know a sec, if he's better than a, a third piece on a championship team, then you know maybe Houston wants to keep him, but. If he's no, if he's not much more than that, then is he going to become like your? We see a cornerstone piece on the market. We have to throw a Christian Wood on the table in that kind of a deal, uh, right? Okay. Like, like if a top ten player becomes available in, in a couple of years, right? And Houston is in a position to trade. I mean, they they just got all these picks from Book, then right there they had they restocked their their pick closet, right? So um, they could perhaps be in the market for that kind of a player if they throw in wood in some of these Brooklyn picks. Um, two more, and then I'm going to get you out of here. You've been so generous with your time. I really appreciate this. Um, back to Oladipo for one sec. Um, <laughs> so I, I wrote a whole thing on on him the other day, and uh, I had a bunch of questions that I kind of asked and tried to answer. And one of the questions, as I typed it, I was like, this is stupid. This is a stupid question, but I typed it anyway. Is, is Victor Oladipo still good? Which is silly because he's averaging 25 and, and five, um, which you can't do if you're, if you're a bad basketball player. However, his efficiency is, I mean, whatever is, but the, it's the under the floor that's under the tank. Right. Um, and it's just, there's, there are concerning signs with the three point shooting and it's just, you know, he doesn't go to the rack quite as much. He's, he's not drawing fouls like he used to watching him as you have every day this year, 
can you just give me a sense of like what your opinion of Victor Oladipo is as a basketball player right now? He's fine. I mean, like, he's fine. I mean, <laughs> That's like a, he, a ringy endorsement. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I, I think he's a good player. I don't, I don't think he's uh like, listen, he was like a, what, a third team all NBA guy a couple years ago. I don't, I don't think he'll ever get back up to that. And I thought he got jobbed. I thought he should have been second team that year. And, and Ross actually, um, I thought took his spot on the second team. I thought he was, he was a top 10 player that year. Yeah, he, he was really good that year, but I mean, he's, he suffered a pretty severe injury and it's like, it's really tough to recover from that. This is like what, what is his second full year? Is this, is this his first full season or second full season? So last, so last season he came back because he, you know, he, he injured, he had, he suffered the injury two seasons ago, came back last season and uh, now, yeah. So it's been two years, essentially over two years. Yeah, so this is he's probably not going to get much better than this, right? Like I, I think you know, maybe maybe he needs time to reacclimate in Houston, but at some point you are what you are, and he's probably you know third, fourth best player on a championship team. Yeah. You know, he probably probably still he's good enough to be a starter for sure. I think because he's just too valuable defensively. But has his um, defense been good? Oh yeah, he's he's been really good defensively. Okay, but, that's good to know. But um, you know, when you're talking about offensive threats, he should not be one of the, the two or three best threats on your team. He he, I know he had the ball in his hands a lot for a couple of games at Wall, um, or maybe it was just one. I watched one game where he was the point guard and he was directing the like. Is that's not his. That should not be his role, right? Directing no, an offense. No, okay. no, and and Houston is just a unique situation right now where they just lost James Harden. They're trying to figure out how this stuff out on the fly, <laughs> yeah. right? And um, I, I think um, I think more than likely it's going to settle into you know he's like the secondary or tertiary ball handler. They're just okay. having to cycle in and got a lot of guys in and out because of uh, you know John Wall's injury management. Like John Wall is out today actually, and Eric Gordon uh, because it's, it's the first half of back to back. So oh, okay. They're doing a lot of that this season, and you know I suspect Victor Oladipo is going to play a lot of point guard. So it, it, it's it's tough because they don't have much behind those two for ball handling purposes. I mean, you're talking like is Sterling Brown going to be that? Like, no, it's probably not. Like, it's it's yeah. it's got it's not going to be David Nwaba either. It's going to be him. It's going to be Victor Oladipo at that point. Um, you know, Steven Saws is, is trying to work with what he's got. And, you know, I have a lot of sympathy for him because this has been a really tough coaching job this year for him. And, and he's, I thought he's done a pretty good job. You know, he's not, not a perfect coach. I mean, but he's a rookie head coach and he's doing the best he can. He's obviously really talented as a defensive tactician. Yeah. And in, in, uh, in Dallas, he got to show what he can do uh, as an offensive tactician. Um, when he's given the tools, right? Like, I think he's, uh, I think he's a pretty capable guy, but I think, I think we just got to give this roster a little bit of patience, wait for it to get healthy, see what it can be. I think it's not going to be much more than an eight seed in the Western conference, right. Or, you know, six to eight seed in the Western conference at, at most, but it, that's fun for Rockets fans right now. Cause that's, they've had to watch a team that's, uh, it had to be top four. And if it was a fifth seed, it better get past the first round. Right. And it was, now it's like, they can just watch a team be, be fun. You have a lot of um, Knicks fans that are going to be rooting for Houston this year because uh, the better they do in theory, uh, there's a better chance that they go above the Mavericks whose pick uh, New York owns, um, <laughs> which is a, a good transition to the very last thing. Um, my, my line of demarcation in terms of what the Knicks would consider giving up um, in a trade for anybody, a significant player this year has always been the 2023 Dallas pick, which we own, which is top 10 protected for three years. Um, I don't, I don't think the Knicks are going to trade this year's Dallas pick, especially now. Um, I don't think they're going to trade any of their key young players. Um, I mean, it's a sweet pick right now. It's 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 a really good pick. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna have some on it um, in my my newsletter coming up soon, but I I'm not ready to I'm not I'm not all in on it yet. I still got to see them lose a few more games, but like <laughs> I'm getting there. I want to be there. I very much want to be there. Um, th- so th- yeah, that t- that 2023 Dallas pick. Do you think if the Knicks put that pick on the table, so it's it, again yeah, it's top ten protected, but it's a first rounder, along with let's say you know a Kevin Knox. Who is has had a let's just say an uneven career to say the best. He's currently riding the bench in, in New York. He's out of the rotation. 
um, you know, and maybe um, a, a bit of salary filler, but for the most part, the Knicks would take on all of Oladipo's 20, I guess it's 20 million even or 20, 21 million. Um, do you think the Rockets would, would entertain that? Or do you, you think they would just rather wait it out until the summer? Well, it depends what the fal- salary filler is and how far it out, how far out extends. Uh, let's say, uh, let's uh, okay. So Kevin Knox, who's making four point eight this year, and there would need to be a little bit more to make the money work now. So let's do. Um, we could do Austin Rivers. We could do Nerlens Noel. All of all all salary that expires this year and is like you know it, it would save you. It would save the Rockets about you know ten eleven million dollars. I think they definitely would listen to that kind of a deal because I mean, again, like I talked about the pliability of, of Victor Oladipo's contract. Part of that pliability is that it's expiring. And if, if they're getting expiring contracts back in a deal, that definitely helps their cause. Right. And that makes it much easier to trade. And if you're getting a first round pick back for Oladipo, I mean, you traded a second round pick to get Oladipo. I mean, you're trading a second round pick essentially for a first round pick. That's a pretty good deal business uh, for for um, for Rafael Stone. So I, I definitely think they would listen to it. Um, again, it really depends on what Houston is trying to accomplish at the deadline. You know, they're posturing a bit. I don't think they're going to trade their trade exception for a significant piece. If they do, that would le- legitimately floor me. If they try <laughs> to 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 be in the luxury tax this year for this team, oh boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it would cause a lot of. I mean, it it would definitely alter the way we view uh, owner Tillman for Tita, right? Because if you pay what a guy, <laughs> he goes into the luxury tax for this team. I mean, and, and he did not go into the luxury tax for the, the past three seasons with James Harden. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's incredible. Um, but yeah, it, it would be, it would be, it would floor me, but yeah, I, I do think their objectives are let's acquire as many first round picks back as we can. Let's not compromise the roster too much because again, we still want to win this year because we still don't want to give up a really, really good pick uh, in that, in that pick swap. So I think if they, if they trade all depot, they're probably not trading PJ Tucker. And if they trade PJ Tucker, they're probably not trading Victor Odipo. Interesting. Well, yeah. I, okay. And I, I, I hadn't thought like that. Okay. I mean, cause, cause you think about it, you, you can only give up so much and still be good this year. Right. And, sure. yeah. and, and you still want to get back first round picks, but at the same time, at what expense, right? So, I actually wonder which of those two. I hadn't even spent time thinking about it. which of those two guys is netting more in a trade this year. Who's getting the better pickback? Probably. I, I, don't, I don't. Is there a clear answer to that question? Because I'm. Not, I don't know who that there is. It depends on how much you value Victor Oladipo's bird rights. I I bet the Knicks would place some value, whether that right or wrongly. I think they would place some value on those bird rights. I really yeah, do. So, so if if you if you place a, a pretty decent amount of value on it, then I think I think it's definitely Elder Depot, right? Because if not, I mean, you're 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 talking about a 35 year old versus a what 25 year old in Elder Depot or 26 20, 29 going on. A, a, he's actually wait, hold on. He might be 28. I may have just I may have just spoken ill of. I don't want to make anybody older. I hate when people make me older than I am. I'm 37. I want to stay 37 for the two months I have left. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's he's under 30, which is well. well you, you know what? The, the pandemic. You get to wipe out a year of your life. This is my rule, <laughs> by the way. This is my rule. So if you're if you're if you're really struggling with how old you are after the pandemic, I think you get to, you get to in your head, wipe off a year. So if, if you're 25, you're 24, if you're 37, you're 36, okay. right? Because we don't get to count this year. It doesn't count. Like it's, That's it's not fine. fair. It's I'll not take fair. It. I, and I should know Victor Oladipo's birthday. It's uh, six days before mine. He's, he's 28 going on, going on 29. He'll be 29 in, in May. So he's for all intents and purposes. He's 20. Yeah. He, but, but, but my point is he's seven years younger than PJ. Tucker, yeah. Right? yeah. So, so I, I do, if you value the bird rights, he's probably the better option. He's probably going to get the better pick. You know, I'm, 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 I've had my eye on Houston ever for really since the beginning of the year, because I, I even, I, there was a point in time where I thought the Knicks might try to get in on Harden and obviously that didn't transpire. Um, by the way, would you, I, sorry, I keep, this is really the last one. Would you rather have Ben Simmons than all of the Nets picks? Um, so when, when, the, when the deal got leaked before it actually happened, right? So like there was a bunch of leaking going on that day by Shams and Waj. They were, they, were, they were reporting a bunch of different incarnations of this trade. And the, 
if it got leaked out that the the Nets were offering four first round picks and four pick swaps all unprotected. And as soon as that happened, I tweeted, if this is the deal on the table, Houston has to take it. Screw the Philly offer. This is the better deal. Uh, Ben Simmons is awesome. And I think Mm. in most situations you take the, the proven prospect, right? But this is four first round picks and four pick swaps all unprotected. You don't know what's going to happen in seven years. You just or four don't. years or three years. The, yeah. The Brooklyn like, guys are not quite spring chickens. Just throwing yeah, that out there. Like Sean Marks is an awesome general manager and he's done a pretty good job at building out rosters without draft picks. So let's be fair to him, right? Like that's, he's, that's... he, he he can build out a pretty competitive roster even without draft picks. So you got to be, you got to, you got to be, you know, cognizant of that. But I don't, I don't think that all those picks are going to be non-lottery. I think at least some of those picks are going to be lottery picks. So I, I, you just had to take the chance on that. You just had to take that deal. I think. And if, if even if you don't expect those, one of those players to be cornerstone type type players, I'm talking about the players that come back from those picks. Though that's liquidity. Like yeah. those picks you can trade for another superstar, right? Yeah. Should one become available. And I think that's that's the stage of the franchise the Rockets are in. They're trying to acquire a cornerstone piece. If they don't believe Victor not Victor Odie, if they don't believe Ben Simmons is good enough to be that cornerstone piece, well well then they should definitely search for alternative solutions. And I thought as soon as soon as the details got leaked, I was like, Yeah, the the Rockets should stop ha- haggling about Tyrese Maxey, get on this deal. Get on this deal. Uh, t- take the Brooklyn offer. It's it yeah. seems it seems like a, a no brainer to me, and uh, yeah, I thought it was a better deal. Well, um, I agree. Um, I think I I don't think you could turn down that deal. It's it's and and by the way, of the three franchises that have essentially all given away all their draft rights, the the Nets, the Lakers, and the Clippers, I think the the Nets. If I if I could only take the the draft rights to one of those three, I would take the Nets because I. You know, partially Wait, because of this, uh, this, yeah, this is a question of mine. Like, how did how did Knicks fans feel about that trade? Like, were, were you guys giddy about the idea that they're giving up this many picks, or oh. kind of like like I'm upset that they're acquiring a player like Harden? I before this before the the season and before the obviously before the Harden trade, I the Nets were my Eastern Conference Finals pick. I I thought that they would get to the finals this year. I think that there's a good chance they get to the finals next year. I think they're, you know, they're probably going to win a championship at some point um, in the next several years. But, but uh, as a Knicks fan, how does it make you so, feel that they're giving up this much picks? Yeah, so I, I wanted to preface that um, my answer by saying that, because given that I already kind of thought that way to me, this is great news because now you've taken a team that had the potential to be a, a, a long-term dynastic type of, franchise and you they did something they didn't really need to do and in effect oh, okay. they i in my mind they shortened their their window so you believe um, they, they cut their legs out under them yeah and and again like a lot of, i think some nick fans looked at the trade and be like oh my god now we have to deal with this in our city with these three stars here and like <laughs> their chances went up to me their chances were already great so i don't think harden makes an appreciate i mean what does it make it makes it five or ten percent more likely that they win a championship and if you know whatever if they do they do um, but it, 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 to me, it, it takes, it takes away the potential of a competitor for when the Knicks are actually going to hopefully knock on wood, um, be good. So I, I like that this thing is real. This, this Brooklyn and New York thing, like, I, I you know, <laughs> like, like I, you, you always feel like some of this inner in this inner city rivalry stuff is fake, right? Like Lakers and Clippers. I don't really yeah. believe that's real. I do believe Brooklyn, New York is real. Um, it became a lot. It became a lot realer on June thirtieth, two thousand nineteen, for me at least. I mean, that that was a depressing day, and and I I will always I'm over it now. But like, ooh, dark day. Not not a fun day. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I don't I, I hate the Nets. <laughs> Just throw it out there. I don't I don't care for them one bit. Um, That's great. I mean, I, I, it makes me very happy. <laughs> well, I'm glad that. Made, why do you guys do? Is there a hatred for? Well, actually, I don't know this. Is there more hatred for the the Mavs or the Spurs or neither? Oh, from Rockets fans? Yeah. Uh, I, oh, it's, I, I think it's definitely the Mavs for is sure. Is it really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Is that is that an ownership? I wonder because I I personally have been worried that they're going to trade Oladipo to the Mavericks. 
um, and uh, that was going to damage their pick this year. Do you, but you think they'll probably just do what's best in the best interest of the franchise? Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, sure. like totally different lifestyle of the franchise. They, they, they need to make the bet. They need to acquire as the best assets possible. Okay. And the, to, to, to explain the dynamics between the San Antonio Dallas thing, the, the reason the reason they hate the Mavs is they have a begrudging respect for the Spurs, right? Uh, it's, not, it's not like they don't hate the Spurs, yeah. but they but they you know they understand that's a dynastic team for like what 15, 20 years with with Duncan. That you you have to. It's really hard not to respect what they did there for so long. Whereas the Mavericks, you know, like they were just an annoying pain in the ass for these guys, right? Like it was just like and and that's I think. Great. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I love intercity rivalry. Inner city rivalries, they're so great. They're so and in the NBA, there's just tons of them because they're all next to each other. These teams. Yeah, no, there is. Um, that's great to know. I did not know that. This is good. I learn something new every day. Um, well, I hope the Rockets get the better of that rivalry it, till kingdom come. Uh, let me tell you, because if there's a team I dislike more than the Nets, it's it's the Mavs now at this point. Um, this was great. This was really a lot of fun. I, you've been, again, so generous with you. I, I like how I was like, all right, let me get you out of here you know, 25 minutes ago. Uh, my apologies. Um, Salman Ali, can you just tell folks at home uh, again, where they could find you and your and your content yeah at salmonly nba on twitter you'll find everything on there awesome um i appreciate the time uh everybody thanks for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast we'll be back with you in another one uh before you know it